This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back, everyone, to a very festive and happy Every Step Along the Way podcast. So Santa came a little early with the win over Bristol, which sets us up very nicely for the Boxing Day victory versus Rotherham that's on the way. Now, before we get into all that, myself and Dan just want to wish everyone a great Christmas. Thank you to every single one of you, the thousands of people around the world who have been listening every single week. Thank you to every single one of our guests. We've had such a good variety of guests on this year. So thank you to all of you. Um, Now, if you haven't listened to the Christmas pod just yet, then uh, after this part, make sure you go and check it out. It was a real blast, really good fun. We've had more guests than we've ever had. We've got some unique Stoke-themed games and so much more. So, again, thank you to everybody. Grab the tape, grab the wrapping paper and a brew and enjoy today's pod. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. So, let's get the show on the road. Um, so, yeah, it's obviously festive period, May, and, um, you know, just wanted to start by introducing your second favourite podcast presenter, um, and it's uh, certainly a Mr. Dan Buxton. Dan, how are you, mate? You okay? I'll take second. Take second. As long <laughs> as I can be your first, mate. That, that's that's the, that's the main one. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, always good to see you. And uh, I mean, how's the how's the family been? I believe they've been uh, a little ill the last couple of weeks. Uh, yes. At the minute, there's lots of bugs. Lots of bugs going around. Like I say, a bit like a doctor's surgery at the minute. I don't know if I'm repeating a joke I maybe made on the last podcast or don't know if it was recorded or not that. But yeah, it's it's like a doctor's waiting room. Yeah, it is, mate. Unfortunately, uh, you know, you've you got a, the cast of Matilda because how many children you've got <laughs> as, as the way I look at it. So uh, yeah, good on you. Uh, no, certainly a better man than I am. So anyway, mate, yeah, good to, good to see you. Um, and a voice that I don't think anyone would have heard before uh, is joining us tonight, but uh, a long-term listener, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Jonathan Oldfield, how are you, mate? Uh, I'm good, thanks. Are you guys all right? Yeah, all good, thank you, mate. We're uh, we're ready to go to bed, I think, for, for doing back-to-back podcast recordings. But um... I, I can imagine. <laughs> He's got but, no yeah. stamina, John. He's got no stamina, mate. He's just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, uh, how's your week been anyway, mate? I know you've literally just finished work and come straight on here, so... Uh... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just been an, uh, like a normal working week, really. Um, 
bit they would be extra busy because you know run up to Christmas and all that. Um, you know, buying presents and wrapping them up and then getting them all ready to go. So it's all big, big push towards this Sunday, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it's one of them. We, we have a big build up to it, but you know, we we get there and it's gone within a heartbeat, and then we're wondering what the heck we're going to do with our lives for the next twelve months. But you know. As, yeah. as, long, as long as you've done all yeah. your shopping, I take it. Yeah, have you got? Are you, are you a last-minute person? Uh, no, no. Me and my wife tend to be more uh, try and be prepared as early as possible. Normally, we're all done and dusted by November. Um, right. But uh, we've been a little bit last-minute this this year, but then we sort of really want to be. Um, yeah, but near enough, near enough done now. Are you guys are nearly all ready to go for Christmas? Um. I mean, I mean, I am. Yeah, I've got a couple of last things to to get. Was that, that the joys of Amazon Prime for that one? But uh, Dan, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, again, mate, I, I don't know how you've had time with well the illnesses and stuff. But are you pretty much done? Uh, yes, I mean, this recording this has actually got me out of wrapping the presents at the minute. <laughs> the last few things are being wrapped uh, downstairs as we speak. <laughs> so I'm uh, managed to escape that hell. Stick a podcast on in the background and. And just away you go. Believe it or not, I sit the every step along the way podcast on in the background, Dan. <laughs> Got that bit of self advertising there. Nothing like, <laughs> like a bit of extra Christmas music going in the background. <laughs> yeah, something to fall asleep to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Do, you, um, do, you, do you start arguing with yourself? What, what's he talking about, that mic on there? What's I, tell you, <laughs> I tell you one thing, you know, you, you, you don't even realize some of the stuff you talk about. You're like, did I say that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I know we probably have one more podcast uh, before the actual new year, but um, I guess what we need to do is, is start by kicking off with obviously our victory versus Bristol. Um, I will point out, by the way, that um, I went for a two-one win. So for the first time ever, I actually called it uh, right, which is, uh, makes a change. Now there is obviously a first time for everything. Now, I mean, John, did, did you get a chance to to watch the game in person, or did you watch it on the red button, or? Uh, I didn't manage to to watch it unfortunately. Um, I, I was last weekend. I was uh, in, busy installing a, a new tumble dryer because the other one had, had broke. Uh, oh, the joys! <laughs> yeah, so we spent the day me and my dad doing that. Um, but we managed to listen along and and keep up with the update um, as it as it unfolded. Um, it seemed like they they started a bit. It started okay. And then once they conceded, they sort of went a little bit shaky a little bit. Um, yeah. Typical Stoke, though, right? I mean, I know we, we, there was large elements of the game where we were on top as well you know, early on. I think more more possession and a few chances. But it's just typical Stoke to go and concede first. I said to my dad, you know, as soon as... As soon as we, you know, we're hearing about you know being on top of the match, I was like, okay, cue the Bristol goal then. And it's exactly what happened. And Christ, for the first time ever, we actually pulled it back, didn't we, Dan? So, um, I, I, I mean, say, you, you were saying typical Stoke. It was very untypical Stoke. We oh, yeah. to, to win. <laughs> I mean, I actually thought to myself, do look to me, Dad, like, have we just come from behind and won a game away from home? And not only that, strikers scored again. <laughs> What's going yeah, on? Both, both strikers, even though one of them was playing at wing back. <laughs> I, t- I tell you what, though, the they say the strikers scoring there. I was, I'm happy that Delap. If you look at the two goals Delap scored, 
they both sort of poachers' goals. They're just right place at the right time, aren't they? You know, yeah. They, they obviously Campbell shot deflected to him, and that was more sort of instinct last week. And then this one, I mean, Suter's put the ball over the top, and he's, he's chipped the you know, chipped the ball forward. Ties done really well actually in challenging a defender for a ball he's never going to win because the defender's so much taller than him. But he's made himself a nuisance in there and the ball sort of hit him on the back of the head didn't it and it's and it's just dropped yeah. and dilapsed and there got... and that's really though I'm quite excited for the rest of the season after seeing him score him two chances because it's as if that break is that maybe Alex Neal sat him down maybe his dad sat him down and he's maybe you know you need to be you know, play to your strengths play to play where you're going to score goals that's what you're here to do and he seems a bit of a different player doesn't he since this is we've come back from this break, as in he was he wouldn't have got those chances before he wouldn't have been in the right places. I don't believe before this break. No, they've clearly been working on stuff, mate, in in Dubai. I mean, I know a lot of people questioned should they go? Would they have actually done any work? Blah blah blah. I mean, you know, maybe it's subtle things like you said, like a conversation here and there. Um, we've obviously come from behind, so maybe mentally we're maybe a bit more resilient. They've been working on that. Uh, obviously, strike force, two games in a row, you know, that they've that they've been scoring goals when before they couldn't hit a bloody, you know, door the banjo. So, mate, yeah, may, maybe this is the start of a turning curve. I mean, for, for me, I thought it was a really, you know, solid performance. I mean, it was, again, Suter, I, I mean, I don't know if either of you think probably too much um, emphasis on this, but, I mean, was it fair to say that Suter made a bit of a difference? I mean, Dan, I know that, I think you watched it. So, I mean, the direct nature of the pass for, obviously, you know, again, Delap's goal had a bearing. Yeah, a little bit of luck, but again, it seems like he's having an impact. Yeah, he does what we knew he can do. And, you know, our attacking play suffered so much. You look at it and people who don't watch him play think, how can your centre-half getting injured affect your attacking play to such a degree as it did with Stoke? You know, but he he sprays the ball around so well. His range of passing's amazing for somebody you know, central off, especially somebody you, you look at him and you, if you say what kind of player is he, visually, you you would say, well, he's going to be a head it, kick it, dump it away kind of player, wouldn't you? You wouldn't yeah. have him as some of the Franz Beckenbauer defender <laughs> <laughs> you know, who can carry the ball out, who can play defense splitting passes. Or, I mean, that ball to Campbell, that's travelled. He's travelled what from the halfway line into the penalty box. It's not a it's not a long ball. It's not a hit and hope. That's a me- it was a measured pass, a measured pass to get the defender retreating. And like I say, Campbell, if Campbell doesn't challenge to that ball, which a lot of people give him stick for not getting stuck in, I actually thought at the weekend he ran himself into the ground. He was he's full of energy, carried on going, and you could tell towards the end he was he was shattered. Um. But for that, he was challenging for headers, stuff like that that you don't usually see from him. And like I say, that one, that one there, he's made himself awkward. He's not given the defender an easy header away, and the ball he's actually ended up winning the ball, albeit off the back of his head, and it's fell to the lap. Like I say, but suit to himself, like I say, he just made such a difference because he marshals the back line, he wins everything in the end defence, and he sets us up on so many different attacks, but in so many different ways, like. If if they cover off, if they cover off Campbell, if they cover off the lap, but Fosu, that means Fosu's got a bit of space, or or Brown, or whoever's played time, and whoever's played on wings, then you know that 
that if Suter looks and he hasn't got those two passes on, he's capable of hitting a, a you know a fifty di- yard diagonal to someone as well. He's got so so much in his locker. He's bound to make a difference, especially at this level. I mean, John, do we have anyone else in the team who can do that? Because I think we're all quite conscious that you know Suter may not be here. Um, come the summer, so that's a big hole to fill. Do you think we've got anyone in this team right now who can take that mantra kind of forward, or do we need uh, to go out and sign someone? Uh, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, Jagielka is is sort of that type of player that has a, that sort of vision, um, but he it, can he be consistently fit enough to be able to to provide that kind of ball over the top? I think it will probably look at maybe a loan perhaps from somewhere else to recover maybe for his, for his absence. Um dare dare I say perhaps maybe maybe Fox. Maybe because we've seen sometimes Fox can can cross a good ball sometimes. Maybe perhaps maybe you can be or maybe Harry Clark. They've both played centre half before I think. Um, I mean, I quite like Wilmot. I think Wilmot's got a is is a I mean what is he twenty one twenty two Dan I think uh, yes he's twenty two maybe twenty three now but okay, still, so young, devout, he's still young still young yeah young and developing and we you know again I think he's been a pretty solid player for for someone of that age just settling in um so maybe he's somebody who can definitely go and and play that role I think either either way we need to try and find a solution um without him uh, I think that's that's maybe maybe Connor Taylor as well there's also Connor Taylor who's coming through the ranks um, strangely out of favour perhaps maybe yeah but maybe perhaps Suter going would open the door for him to maybe take that spot sometimes that's how sometimes works when Alex Neal came in and obviously Alex Neal's not one to tell as he's injured you just have to work out that players are injured <laughs> when, they, yeah. when they disappear <laughs> um, and I think that didn't help him, and I think he's then sort of come back into the you know the, around the squad, but found it difficult to sort of get himself in amongst the people who obviously now Neil knows and trusts, and he probably sees him as a young lad who he doesn't know much about. Um, I mean, your question initially to John Matt was, "Who is there anyone in the squad who can do it?" I don't think there's anybody in the division that comes close to doing what Harry Suter can do from from centre back. A very unique skill, isn't it? Especially at this level. I mean, defenders in the Premier League, they, they they do it for fun, don't they? Whereas at this level, it's it's all a lot more based on not necessarily being aggressive or or competitive, but certainly being stronger, more physical. I like your idea of getting a loan in. I think if we're going to try and replace him with somebody of similar ilk. We have got Wilmot there who can do that kind of job, and I think. But I think if you we go and get a, a a promising, real high, highly promising like youngster from, you know, an elite club in the Premier League, I think that might be the the way to go. Maybe probably... perhaps... Sorry, go on, say, John. sorry, yeah. I just think, think maybe if Suter does go, maybe perhaps we can have him on loan for for the rest of the season. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean that that happens quite a lot now um, for for a lot of the big high profile players. I guess it comes down to who goes and signs him because if it's a if it's a Newcastle United, then may actually need him to be honest. But if it's someone yeah. of a a large stature, 
who <clears> maybe <throat> doesn't need him right now, then there's an investment. Exactly. So maybe that is the opportunity to get him um, brought back. You know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me um, if that is a is an option. It's a good it's a good shout, John. To be honest, really good shout. Um, I mean, Dan, a couple of players who we mentioned previous weeks, mate, who maybe didn't shine so well. Um, Smallbone and Baker. I know people we won't go over it massively, but did they do any better for you? I mean, I think the ratings were were much better than than previous weeks, to be honest. Yeah, I think. I mean, we as, as, as sort of you, you alluded to, you and John alluded to at the beginning. We we started well, didn't we? The first twenty twenty five minutes, we set a good tempo. We were on the front foot. And Bristol City really looked like they were sort of struggling to cope with us. I mean, we didn't have any clear-cut chances, but we were, you could tell we were the ones on top in the game. And and that must come from, you know, that, that kind of control of a game comes from your midfield, doesn't it? You, you, don't, you don't have those, you don't have that kind of control unless your midfielder do a good job. So, um, you know, I think they started well, I'd say. When Bristol City then sort of scored, we did have, have a wobbly for... What about fifteen minutes where we were sort of all over the place, um, and we looked like we could have conceded a second, a third, um, and then obviously you know we equalised on half time, sort of again changed the game, sort of swung it back towards us, then it sent us in with you know sort of a spring and a step at half time. Um, Baker Smallbone, like I say, I think the, the, when we've when we've controlled the game, they've been sort of. Although not in your face showing like they're doing it, they've obviously been involved quite well in making making sure the ball moved quickly and making sure we were looking forward from midfield rather than going back. And um, like I say, that kept Bristol City sort of on their toes and sort of chasing our tails a bit for for spells. Um, but on the flip side of that, Bristol City did have plenty of chances and you think, I think they, they sort of had a hot and cold game for me. Is the yeah. top and bottom of what I'm trying to say. There were spells where they looked really good, but there was an incon- you know, it was sort of like three or four matches rolled into one, so they were I think quite inconsistent. I mean, John, who would you say was the standout player for you um at the weekend, mate? I'd probably say Tyrese Campbell from what I've seen and heard. I think he like you said earlier, I think he ran himself into the ground. Um as I didn't see all of the game of him, but they showed a, a chance on one of the highlights. That I saw that he where he, he blasted a shot over the bar where he could have killed the game off, um, and it, it was perhaps poor poor shot at the end, but you could visibly see it, that he was that he was knackered and he'd run himself into the ground. Um, Something I that Tyrese Brown had probably played well as well. Yeah, it took a lot of resilience for Jacob because obviously he got skinned for their for their goal. Um, you know, it's not not great defending, but I think we've always said you know. Jacob isn't somebody who's there for defending. He's an attacking player. So um, you can't really criticise a player for doing not doing a job well that he was never really signed to do you anyway. Can't, you can't, I suppose, but he, he really shouldn't be beaten like that. I know he's, he's not necessarily a defensive player, like you say, but he, but he, he shouldn't be beaten. So he's really there. But he made up for it with a goal at the end. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, he did play a full season at right wing back for Barnsley, so he must have, you know, have some sort of defensive now to to do that. Um, I mean, he's played out wide I mean, as well as he as well, and he's got to start playing well there because, I mean, you know, I did say he should play there. 
<laughs> so yeah. don't, don't let me down there, Jacob. No, come on. Um, speaking of um, obviously standout players, so the the man of the match poll uh, was ran as always. So um, you won't be surprised to see that Harry Suter topped that poll uh, last time I checked. Anyway, at forty seven percent of the view, uh, the votes. Uh, guess who was second, Dan? Any idea? Uh, Tyrese Campbell, I believe. Correct. And in third, uh, but certainly not last place. Well, kind of last place. Depends how you look at this poll. Uh, bronze was Jag- medal. Bronze medal uh, was Jagielka uh, with 10%. There was a bit of a scattering for Time and Bonham and obviously Jacob, like uh, like John's just mentioned um, as well. Uh, was there any further comments? We've had some audio from the uh, three peeps in a in a podcast who gave us the uh, their preview last week, but they've obviously given us their post match thoughts as well. But before we get on to that, um, either of you got any final comments or observations about the weekend's game? Uh, just one last final thought. Sorry, um, I just I couldn't believe it. I can't believe we're in a position where I'm actually glad to see um, uh, Fox back in the starting lineup. I think yeah. He's making a difference. Yeah, we've said that in previous pods, as you've probably heard, John, to be honest. I mean, yeah, Fox is... He's a weird one. I, I don't know... What a turnaround is. Yeah. Oh, massive huge turn. Under, I mean... Under Alex. Okay, yeah, so he seems to be one of Alex Neal's favourites, doesn't he? He does, he, yeah. He's really pivotal to his to his themes and his system. Well, we'll see, we'll see how... Uh, we'll see how, how, obviously, things pan out for him, mate. But so far, he's... Um, they say he's almost becoming a bit of an, an undroppable player, to be fair, which I mean, that's just absolute bonkers. Um, would, I mean, you, would you like a player of the season standings before you move on? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So I'll give you the top five. So, fifth place, surprising Joe Bursic is in fifth place with 219 points. Uh, fourth is Lewis Baker with 221. Third, up to third place, Phil Jagielka at the ripe old age of 40. 232 points. Uh, second is Tariq Fossu, 249. And way, way out in front with a massive 87 point lead is Ben Wilmot. Wow. Still so, there. Yeah. Suter's man of the match has pumped him up from 24th to 20th. He's on 98 points. Whilst Tyrese Campbell's second place has shot him up to 12th with 155 points. Hmm. It's, it's, I think it's all going to change. I think Suter's going to rocket up that uh, league well, standings, mate. If you remember, yeah. when Suter got injured last year, which was around this October time, November, October, November time, yeah, he, uh, he had nearly double what second place got. He was mild. He literally, if he'd have stayed fit, he'd have like, won it by about like you know Christmas. <laughs> um, I think he still ended up like fourth, even though he only played like a third of the games. So wow. he's probably looking. He, he obviously follow, he'll follow this podcast and he'll see these standings and he's he'll, he's eyeing up Ben Wilmot. It was chip away each week at that that, that deficit. <laughs> yeah, the respective clubs will be looking at that as well. <laughs> yeah, so best leave him at Stoke. He's got he's got this award to pick up first. <laughs> uh, yeah, illust- yeah. Just ask just ask uh, Josh Timon. You know how illustrious this award is and where his where his trophy is on his mantelpiece. Yeah, I was going to say that's one thing we're not going to be able to do uh, at the end of the season if uh, if Suter gets it because he won't be here to collect it. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I blink it up, yes. Um, 
anyway, yeah. So moving on, uh, like I said, we spoke to the three peeps in the podcast uh, last week. Uh, they were feeling quite confident, if I remember rightly. I'm pretty sure we went for a is it a two-one or a three-one win? I think it was something like that. Um, obviously, it didn't quite go to plan, and I say with a very smug smile on my face. Uh, but let's have a quick listen to see what they had to say after the game as well. Hey, it's Pat from Three Peeps in a Podcast. A disappointing Saturday for Bristol City. After a slow start, we got going into the game. We obviously got the goal from Naki Wells off his chest. Um, and then we almost had the goal of the season from Andy Vyman, that great one-two that he played. And uh, uh, just the angle and the keeper in a best position to uh, to make it a bit awkward for him. Bounce off the post. But the, um, <clears throat> the game-changing moment was in half-time. Injury time in the first half, I should say. Um, Andy King in two minds as to what to do with defending that uh, long ball forward from Sutar, I think his name is. And uh, yeah, hits his back, falls to Delap. He scores. We go into the break 1-1. And then we never really came out after that, to be fair. We uh, had a couple of opportunities. Um, Semenya maybe should have showed a little bit of gamesmanship, if you like, and gone down in the box under a challenge. Uh, we had Mark Sykes have an effort on goal. Um, there was a great cross over and Semenya couldn't quite get his head on it. But all in all, a, a disappointing afternoon for Bristol City. And uh, if we'd have won, it'd have seen us three or four points off the playoffs. But as it as it stands, we're, uh, we're down at the wrong end at the moment. So who knows? Our inconsistency probably means we beat Cardiff. We beat West Brom, I should say, on uh, Boxing Day. Um, but yeah. Hopefully we can get a couple of extra players in in, in the January transfer window. But uh, yeah, we'll see you again soon. Take care, Stoke. Okay, thank you very much for the audio. Much appreciated. So yeah, um, obviously you clearly weren't as impressed after the game as you were. Obviously encouraged going into it. So uh, I'm pleased to say that we came out obviously with the win and you've gone away miserable. It's normally the other way around, trust us. Uh, so yeah, it mentions inconsistency, but I tell you what, you know, Luke, Every club in this division is inconsistent. I mean, Stoke are just the epitome of inconsistency, let's be honest. Uh, but, you know, guys, th- thanks very much for that. We'll catch up with you in April, obviously, for the reverse fixture. Um, so, moving on past the uh, Bristol game. Now, news-wise, we would normally kind of go into a load of different news, but I'll be honest, it's been really, really quiet. Um, a couple of things, and actually, John, you mentioned this guy, uh, Phil Jagielka. So, he turns 40. Well, he turned, sorry, 40 in August. Um, and, you know, his deal runs out after the Burnley game. Uh, I believe the Burnley and Preston games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so uh, he's one of the lowest actual paid players at the club. So I guess the question really begs here, the fact that he's still gaining the actual matchday team. Um, do you think Suter and Wilmot now are going to be the go-to defenders? And I don't know, maybe Jags is, is purely a backup. I mean, is it worth getting, giving him a new contract for, for that? Or do you think that maybe January is the time to, to maybe get him replaced? Uh, <clears throat> I suppose it depends on on what Alex Neal thinks of him, I suppose. Um, maybe he wants him in and around the club still, um, purely for his influence. I mean, uh, he obviously likes him. And I think Jagielka likes being here. So I think he'll probably stay. I think Alex Neal is has said has mentioned that he he's wanted to give him a contract in January as well, hasn't he? He said to the I think it was Pete Smith on the Sentinel. I think he said that it would be hard not to give him a contract, something along those lines. Um, so yeah, I think it's 
I think it's probably a no-brainer, mate. If, if he's he's clearly getting the team, isn't he? You know, low wages, etc. I think it would be silly not to give him something. Um, I think I mean, as he... well. Sorry, it's just that if they if 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 Sutar goes as well in January, he he doesn't want to leave himself short, even if it's a, a, you know obviously not going to be able to replace Sutar with with anyone, let alone Jagielka. But you don't want to leave yourself short of defenders just in case. So he probably would want to at least tie him up until the end of the season and then go from there. Yeah, absolutely. And Dan, I mean, I'm on the side of let's give him another year. Let's give him until this time next Christmas, to be honest, um, and give us time to replace him. And I mean, would you would you sign him up? Is it a no-brainer for you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've just said that, haven't we? Our, those player of the season standings voted for by the fans. He's third so far at the minute. I know that's not the be all and end all, and you know it's a very minute thing to consider, but it shows that his performances are up there with anyone else in the squad. Um, like I say, forty years old, so you know he's got plenty of experience, but he's not showing. He's not playing like somebody who's ready to to hang his boots up, is he? Or give up? He looks like he's enjoying his football, which is a massive thing. And let me look at the weekend. And you know, I think Ben Wilmot was ill at the weekend, I believe. He had like a virus. Um, you know, Ben Wilmot goes down with the virus, Phil Jagelka straight in the side. So he's still got a big part to play because especially if you're playing three centre backs, all you need is one of them to pick up a knock, a niggle, uh, be ill, and, and he's straight in this he's he's back in that side. Um whether he comes in, comes in, go drops out, comes in, drops out as you know, between now and the end of the season. He's at the stage of his career, he's not going to kick a fuss up at that, is he? No, no, he doesn't need to go to Arsenal. And, I mean, clearly, there clearly aren't a lot of other clubs chasing after him, or else maybe he would have looked I elsewhere. Oh, dear. Even if other clubs were after him, I don't think he'd, he'd want to go. I think he's quite happy where he is. Do you know what I mean? He, he, knows, yeah. he knows the lads. He probably, you know, the dressing room must, it seems like a decent dressing room now, doesn't it? The last, you know, 12, 18 months, two years. Um, Seem to be developing like a, a good core of players again who sort of get on quite well. Um, yeah, and I think you know that so he knows that it's quite local, I believe, to where he, he's living and based. Obviously, you know, he spent a lot of his career around this sort of area, Auntie. So, yeah, I think for him, it's just obviously perfect. And there's obviously the thing as well of him and his brother were at Stoke in their youth, weren't they? So it's sort of full circle as well. Yeah, exactly. He, he doesn't do it for money anymore, does he? I mean, those days are, are gone. Uh, you know, this is about him just prolonging his career. Maybe, I don't. Maybe follows in the footsteps of Fuller and all the others, and goes goes into a, a coaching role at Stoke, uh, potentially, or maybe he wants to be a manager. I mean, time will tell. But um, yeah, I, again, I think the influence he can have on the youth on the youth players. I mean, let's face it, it was a very very young team we've got. Um, like like John alluded to, really, you know, the value he can bring off the pitch is probably as good as the value he can bring on it. So. Um, yeah, that's I think probably we... another thing as well for him. Sorry to, to cut you off there, Mark. That's okay. probably another, that's probably another thing for him as well. He's here and he's got he's got Harry Suter, he's got Connor Taylor, he's got Ben Wilmot, he's got plenty of young players. You know, he's Lewis McCaw, he's just come back from a lone way. He's got rave reviews. He's got plenty of players who he can share his knowledge with, and that probably keeps him sort of. You know, he probably enjoys going into training because he's, he's helping to pass on his knowledge and further other people's games, and that. Like I say, that's probably just as important to him as his own performances at the minute. It's when he, he sort of, you know, 
spends maybe spends five, ten minutes talking to a player, giving him a bit of advice, and then he sees that advice out on the pitch, how it's played out, that's probably for him. He's probably like thinking, yeah, you know, I've just helped that player develop his game there. That's great. Yeah, yeah, 100%, mate. And we talk about, you know, players and youth and things like that. Um, Dan, the, the the section I think uh, a lot of people really enjoy is, is you know obviously talking about you know the the youth teams and obviously the women's teams and um, I believe uh, Tez Gallen Lowe have been at it yet again, uh, scoring more goals. Uh, these guys just don't know when to quit it. So um, just give us a bit of an overview, mate. How how have uh, how have they been looking at this week? So I'll start with the under twenty ones. So uh, they rounded off their Premier League Cup group stage campaign with a topsy-turvy 2-2 draw at home to Arsenal last Sunday. Um, so Ben Kershaw gave gave the, pot, the young potters the lead. Arsenal seemed to turn it round, though, uh, with two quick goals in the second half. Uh, before Emre Tezgel, fresh off his um, making the bench with the first team on the Saturday, he'd start, started, played the 90 minutes and earned a vital point right at the death. So, when I say vital point, this is why. We have got nine points from our six games in the group. Arsenal have won the group already. They have 11 and they have a game left against Burnley. We will qualify for the knockout stages unless Burnley beat both Swansea and Arsenal in the new year. They should have played Swansea this week, but it's postponed because of the weather. So Burnley have got two games in the new year against Swansea and Arsenal. They've got to win them both or we will qualify for the knockout stages. Looking positive then. Yeah, so that's under 21s. Their next game now is Friday the 6th of January, which is a league game away at Norwich. So a fair trip down there for a 7pm kickoff. Um, so yeah, so they're going to enjoy a bit of Christmas and New Year maybe. Um, although a few of them might be in around the first team in this busy period. Um, so yeah, under 18s. Now they had their FA Youth Cup third round tie. They got to uh, sample life on the Bet365 st- uh, pitch, didn't they? Uh, it's Blackpool did. last Saturday, and they run out five one winners. <laughs> uh, so we were one up at half time, which came from Will Smith, who is another find. We we, we keep we seem to be producing these players now at a rate of knots. I mean, this lad's sixteen; he's already been playing with the under twenty ones. Obviously, it's quite a big. You know, the FA Youth Cup's quite a serious competition, isn't it? It's probably it's a lot more serious than the league has taken. Like in terms of like the league's there, sort of developing players under eighteen. Whereas the Youth Cup is where they really want to... If they're going to win games, that's where you want to win them. Yeah. So, Will Smith, he's played midfield, like I say, 16, local lad. Um, with his free kick and forced an own goal. Give us the lead. Took that into half-time. Now, obviously, you know, the Beatles were the Fab Four, but I think we've got our own Fab Four now. <laughs> In time... 17-year-old, four 17-year-old lads, all with professional contracts already. So, we've got Emre Tesco, we've got Nathan Lowe. We've got Tommy um, Simkin in goal. And now Jack Griffiths also signed a contract on his 17th birthday a couple of months ago. But he's been injured. So he's been injured for about you know, a couple of months, two months, no, three months. Now he returned from injury in the 53rd minute and managed to score a goal and, and make two assists in that half an hour comeback after nearly three months out injured. Um so obviously he took to the uh, the um, big stage, didn't he? Played the bet three six five, and like you say, his goal was amazing. I mean, he took on like half the side, didn't he? At Blackpool, just weaved one way past one past one past two three four five, and then just slotted it past the keeper. I mean, it looked so easy. Um, you wouldn't have thought, like I say, that he'd been out for so long. 
but he was a player who uh, Michael O'Neill had got introduced into the first team picture at the end of last season as well. I had him training and he was on the bench a couple of times for the first team. He was involved a lot in pre-season and then he got, I think we saw him play, didn't we, in the uh, when we went to um, Accrington? Yeah. In the friendly, he came on and he um, he didn't do too badly. He looked, you know, looked like he could handle himself. Very small, very small uh, at the time. He, that was the only danger. But he seemed to hold himself physically. He didn't get knocked around a bit. So let's. Uh, he's got another one with a bright future. And like I say, we, I mean, there's four 17 year olds there who are all, you know, either you know, maybe getting England honours or pushing into the first team picture now, um, which is you know amazing at that age. And like I say, him coming back from injuries. He's at the ground running. Let's hope he can continue. Uh, Oliver Challoner, he was the recipient of one of Jack Griffith's assists. And then, of course, there was a double for Nathan Lowe. He, you can't keep the guy off the, off the, the score sheet at the minute, can we? So That's he got a couple stuff. of goals. <laughs> yeah, he got a couple of goals for himself as well um, to round off a 5-1 win. Um, I don't know, it's not it's not a big tie we've got in the next round. We've only got Man United at home as well. Who were they? Yeah, so Maybe. so quite a uh, intriguing tie because Man United won this competition last year. So early in 2023, we are going to host. No doubt, it will be at the Bet365 Stadium again. We'll be hosting Man United in the Youth Cup fourth round. So I will be keeping my eyes out for that because I fancy going down and watching that match. I'll be honest. Yeah, I'll join you for that, mate. 100%. Um, as for the women, they beat League Town 4-0 in the Staffs Cup quarterfinals. Uh, so Barber, Thompson and a double from Cavell got them into the se- semi-finals um, of a competition that they've got an amazing record in, haven't they, in recent times? Um, so, yeah, they're into the last four again, uh, just two you know, two stages away from retaining their title. Uh, the FA Cup tie at Leeds. So we mentioned last week that it had been postponed and they were waiting for a rearranged date. That rearranged date was last last Sunday. However, the big frost that we've been having again got it postponed, and it's now I believe we've had words from Lou tonight. It's the eighth of January. Did you say, Mike? Do you remember? I think I think it was, mate. Yeah. So uh, yeah. and <laughs> the, the, we're not going to spoil it, but make sure you listen to the other Christmas special podcast because it's very it's quite funny about what you're about to probably say next about who they're going to face down. <laughs> Yeah, so on the Sunday, the eighth of uh, January next year, uh, they're going to face Arsenal. That's <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> and um, yes, if you have listened to our Christmas special, then you will uh, maybe you've just like a little chuckle out of that. But yeah, see, so, uh, like I say, postpone. If we beat Leeds, then that is who we play next: Arsenal away. Which again. Um, I say Lou talks uh, just a couple of minutes quite in depth there, don't you, about the opportunity that is um, for the girls, you know, with, you know, Lionesses, Champions of Europe in that side, potentially to play them. So, yeah, it's got to beat Leeds. Uh, Leeds away on the 8th of January. So good luck to the women then. And that pretty much rounds up, mate. Lovely. Thank you very much. So uh, there's no more news or anything like that. But um, yeah, so uh, cheesy football jokes. Now, I I mentioned this last week and they were super cheesy. Um, Now, I mean, yeah, so shame on you first and and, and shame on anybody else who didn't because it was the highlight of the podcast. But um, yeah, so I say you would have missed the the cheesy football jokes. So, I mean, do you want uh, a couple more, Dan and John? I don't think I can Why take not? a couple more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the, the bad. Okay. Uh, okay. 
Why don't grasshoppers like football? They're all about cricket. Oh dear. <laughs> got, we, need we need a tumbleweed sound effect. I'll find one. <laughs> uh, what tea do footballers drink? Penalty. Oh. oh shocking, isn't it? All uh, right. L- oh. Last last one then. Uh, why, why are football pitches always wet? Because of all the dribbling. Oh. Pretty shocking on <laughs> I couldn't find any I thought, cheesier. I myself cringe from here then, Jen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it, 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 I, I feel my toes curling. Um, actually, no, I'll t- tell you what. Um, T- tell you one thing. Uh, speaking of jokes, I actually went to the opticians last week, and you know she was basically just telling me jokes all the way through the eye exam. Now uh, they weren't that bad at first, but they just got cornier. Hey, okay, we well, one. Go on, go for it, Dan. Let's go, blind reindeer. Oh, oh, damn! I know this one. Oh, go on. I'll, I won't spoil it. Go on. No idea. <laughs> no idea. Oh, everyone's like, oh, for God's <laughs> I, sake. I was going to nearly give that one away, but I thought I'd let him, I wouldn't take away his punchline there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, anyway, I, normally I was going to say we'll do those uh, jokes whenever we lose, so uh, hopefully you won't be hearing many more of them for the rest of this season. Um, okay, lovely. Well, uh, that kind of wraps up that section. Uh, we'll move on now to, of course, uh, Rotherham away on Boxing Day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Dan, so rather than Boxing Day, now I'll be honest with you, mate, I did a little bit of uh, sleuthing myself, so I'm going to steal some of your thunder, no doubt here, but... Um, oh, I, well, you know, I just I'd like to do it now. I, I'm uh, I'm taking over your shadow. So yeah, anyway, so they haven't won at home since the 15th of October. Uh, so very similar to uh, Bristol, actually. Uh, so they last uh, won on the 15th of October against Huddersfield. Uh, they play as everyone seems to these days, three five two. But they generally let the opposition dictate play because they were uh, very well, very low actually on their whole possession stats. So one thing that we need to try and do is obviously you know break them down which has been a big issue of ours in the past to be honest um so hopefully you know we can find a little bit of uh of guile to try and get through um now i'm going to be honest with you i don't know about either of you two but i mean i looked through their uh their team for players that i recognized and i didn't have a flipping clue who any of them were um you know we should have more than enough to kind of get through uh that well rather many way i mean dan how are the stats looking mate i'm hoping we've got uh, some decent stats, but I would imagine that it's been, you know, prior to a couple of recent seasons, we haven't really played them that much in recent times, surely. 
Well, first of all, I will say that Rotherham's home form you mentioned there, they are 14th in the home table with 15 points from 11 games, whereas we are in the lofty 7th in the away table with 17 points from 12 games. Nice. And a win there could actually take us to third. Oof. Bloody hell. <laughs> got the smelling salts out. <laughs> um, so, yes. As for our record versus Rotherham, we have played them 43 times. We have 17 wins, 12 draws and 14 defeats. At Rotherham, we have five wins, six defeats and nine draws. Hmm. Now, the good news, the not so good news, sorry, is that we have no win at Rotherham in 29 years. During, <laughs> okay. during which time we've drawn three and lost three. And that win, 29 years ago, was the only win there in the last 59 years. And we've drawn five and lost three in that period. So hmm. recently, we've not been doing too good. Since, let's say, 1963, we've only won once. <laughs> <laughs> um, however... The, there's only ever been three goalless draws between these sides. They were in 1959, 1960, and 1991. Although all three of those goalless draws were played at Rotherham, so statistically and historically, this is a game for goals. You know, not many board draws in there. The last three games where we've when we visited Rotherham have ended one-one, then two-two, and last season it was three-three. Have we got 4-4 four, four on the cards? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, a bloody hope not, mate. I don't think any of us can take a 4-4 four, four draw. Jesus. Yeah. Um, only once in the last 10 seasons at this level have we had less than 29 points after 24 games. And that was the season that Nathan Jones started and Michael O'Neill rescued. We currently have 29 from 23. So we need to get at least a point to keep that run going. Uh, we are six points worse off than at this stage last season. However, if you make the in the corresponding fixtures, if you compare the results we had in the fixtures we've played this year, uh, we're actually two points better off. We've gained two more points in these games than we did in the same games last season. And the next four games we play were all defeats last season. So a chance to gain a bit of an advantage on that statistic. Um, four of Stoke's seven most used players all missed the Bristol City game. So if you look at the players who've played the most minutes this season, Wilmot is second, Bursic is fifth, Gale is sixth, and Fossey was seventh. And all four of those, uh, none, none of those four started or played any part in that Bristol City game. So uh, maybe, maybe them guys are the problem. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, but I thought Fossey was very unlucky to get dropped. I mean, I understand yeah, I maybe. Think was, I think it was a formation change once. Exactly, it? Yeah. yeah. Formation, but he's oh, been the shining light sorry, of this season. Um, I don't know who we're going to stick in goal because Joe Bursic has played rather than three times in his career and has won a single point and conceded six goals in those three games. Uh, whilst Jack Bonham has play, played them once uh where a game he lost and conceded three goals as well. So neither of them have got a good record against Rotherham. On the flip are you, are side, are you available, that, Dan? Can you go and go? <laughs> uh, Frank Fielding's available. He's got a better record. Um, on the flip side of that, uh, Tariq Fosu, he has um, seven, five wins from seven games against Rotherham. 
He's in 15 points and scored a goal himself, whilst Dwight Gale has five goals in five career appearances versus Rotherham. Although, if he's still got that leg brace on, I don't think he'll be playing. <laughs> I'm not sure he will be playing with a leg brace on. And I do remember saying when we played him at home that he scored five goals in four games against him. <laughs> yeah, and it, I think we've all kind of shown that. I mean, the last couple of weeks, the goal scorers have been, you know, obviously Tyrese and and, and Delap have, have very much been on, on the ball, mate. So I think we can't even drop either of them either. So, yeah. Nope. I'd... Good competition up front at the minute. Yeah. Absolutely, mate. And um, any more stats to enlighten us with? Referee stats now? Please. Uh, David Webb is the referee. Oh, we know that name. Yes. So he has given five reds and three penalties in his 15 championship games this season. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. So he's not one to uh, shirk a big decision by the looks of it. Is he a homer, though? So... In his 15 championship games, he's only had five home wins, three away wins, and seven draws. Uh, he's ref Stoke twice this season, and he has given uh, six yellow cards to Stoke uh, and four yellow cards to the opposition. He's given 6.5 fouls to Stoke per game. So that's 13 fouls, two free kicks given to us in his two matches. That's the second lowest average of all the teams he's reffed. The only one, the only one less is Birmingham, who only got five free kicks in the one match he reffed, he reffed them in. So he doesn't like giving us any free kicks by the looks of it. <laughs> no, clearly, and he, he's triggered card happy, and we've not been sent off at all all season. So you know what's coming, don't you? Well, yeah, you've killed so... it now, there, Michael. <laughs> sorry, sorry, mate. <laughs> in his career, he's reffed Rotherham ten times. They've won four, drew three, lost three. Uh, but he hasn't reffed him yet this season. They've got 15 yellows, no reds. He's ref Stoke a total of eight times during his career. We have three wins, four draws, and just a single solitary defeat. Uh, the two games he did ref us this season, by the way, were the 1-1 draws away at Burnley and at home to Swansea. Uh, in those eight games, he's given us eight yellows, no reds. He has never given Stoke a penalty, but has awarded two against us. He has, he has awarded one against Rotherham, but has given them three. And I'm going to end on a positive. Going to end on a positive. He's ref Rotherham five times at home, and they've only won once. He's ref Stoke three times when they've been away, and they are yet to lose. Okay. Great. Okay. Well, we're feeling confident then. Now, (laughs) (laughs) moving on to team selections and score predictions, I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is going to be one of the easiest um, team selections to make because surely... I mean, John, I'll ask you first, mate, but I mean, for me, you can't really change the team. I think the team's got to stay the same. Are you making any particular changes yourself? Uh, not particularly, no. I, I don't think... I always believe that it, you should never really change a winning side unless you, you absolutely have to with the suspensions, injuries, uh, maybe even illness, because I know that's there's been a bit of a bug going around the team, hasn't there? Even Alex Neal. Has, has struggled a little bit lately. He, he didn't even do his um, interview after the Bristol City game, did he? No. Uh, uh, so, other than that, I would probably keep the same lineup. Um, the only question would be w- whether or not he keeps Jacob Brown at right wing back or not. Um, I probably would, because even though he's not particularly that 
there defensively, he is still good going forward. And I think Rotherham could be vulnerable to that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I understand what you're saying. I mean, so I mean, who are you pointing that position then? I mean, it, it depends on uh, what over the situation. I don't know what the situation is with with Harry Clark if he's if he's fit or not. If he isn't, I would I would stick with with Jacob Brown and just keep okay. the same eleven. Okay, no worries, Dan. Any major changes for you, mate? Um, it's 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 difficult, isn't it? Um. Is Nick Powell pushing for a start over Will Smallbone? That's going to be one possibly that could come in. Um, if Ben Wilmot's fit, does he come in for Jagielka? Just thinking, we've got a lot of games in a short space of time. Um, and obviously, Wilmot's been playing very well this season. And um, could Wilmot even play right wing back? Let's say if uh, if you want to keep Jags in, if you think he's done well. Uh, but then again, if Brett. But, I mean, what I like to see about Brown was, obviously, that second goal there, Campbell's sort of, you know, the bouncer's done Campbell anti against Bristol City, gone out wide, and Brown's darted into the penalty box in the middle. And I think that gives you an extra attacking. I think back when we were saying the advantages of playing him in that position, it was sort of him getting into the box, once it coming, coming at the back post or, or you know, getting himself in, in around the box as an extra attacker and... I do like. I think I'd like to see him given a bit of a run there, to be honest. Especially with Delap and Campbell seem to be striking up a little bit of a partnership as well. And obviously, you've got Foss who is another attacker. I think it just gives us the more attacking players you can get into your side without forcing them in. It is a positive for me. So I'd like to see him given a bit of a run there at right wing back. Um, yeah, other than that, I think the only ones I can really see is, like, say, uh, do you rest Jagielka for Wilmot if he's back after his illness? And do you want to give Powell a game instead of Smallbone? Mm. Does, okay, so... does Fozu possibly play there? And it, he sort of can play there as a sort of number ten kind of role, can't he? Yeah, yeah. I thought we were. I thought we were back to right wing back then. I was like, no, we've we've tried that one, John. Is <laughs> no, 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 so no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um. I was I was listening I was actually listening back to something earlier on. I was I was just um, collating some sort of info from previous pods and that and uh, what what I stumbled across was um we, we when Fosu had been moved and I, I sort of I said, Yeah, he's gonna have a game now on left wing and I'm gonna say if he doesn't play well, then it's gonna be a very long loan spell for him because he will be out the team <laughs> for the rest of the season. Yeah. yeah. And now he's like second like you know, going out going, you know, Checking his marker down for player of the season now. <laughs> so score predictions then. Um, I'll give you my straight off the bat. Three one Stoke went. I think you know, Luke. Their form's poor. The shipping goals. You know, we've finally found our shooting boots. For me, this is a carbon copy of Bristol. Except I think we're going to put them a bit more to the sword against Rotherham. So three one win for me. Nice and easy victory. Um, Dan, what we're we going for? Well, if you remember the home game against Rotherham, I think we had an XG of like four and a half or something ridiculous, didn't we? We were like, we were like 29, 29 shots, shots. yeah. <laughs> um, they had one, one goal, one shot on target. And that, that sort of, that was more of a cross, wasn't it? They just sort of fell, yeah. found its way through like loads of bodies. Um so we definitely owe them one, however, however we do it. So I think we'll win, and I'm going to go. Th- <laughs> well, you're going to say four, then you were. 
I was going to say three nil, but I don't know if three nil's been a bit, a bit uh, OTT. But yeah, I'm going with three nil. Yeah, I think it might be that a couple of goals come late on if they're pushing for an equaliser. But yeah, I think we're going to win three nil. I'm going to have the uh, lap and the lap Campbell and Tyman are going to score my goals. Okay, um, John, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think the same as you guys. I think. You know, uh, away from home, but I think the they're definitely going to be uh, with the tails up heading into this game. Um, I I I think uh, they'll probably be two 0 I think they keep a clean sheet. Um, yeah, I think it'll be just a, a be a, a routine win. I think. Oh, famous last words as a Stoke fan. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I see your thought process there, mate. Okay. Right, Sam. So we're we're all feeling confident. That can only mean one thing: defeat. Um, yeah, I remember. Before, I remember before we played Rotherham and Coventry uh, a few months ago, didn't we? And we were on, we were on the back of uh, a couple of wins, and we said, "Oh, if, oh, if we yeah. can be, beat these two now, and we'll be flying up the league." Playoff, play off, no problem. And yeah, no, they're straight down. <laughs> and ironically, twenty-three games in. And we're still only five points off the playoffs. So if we had won them games, we would be in the playoffs still now. <laughs> like, mate, I'm, I'm saying this earlier on, right? So people say that, oh, you know, it's a really competitive league. I swear people say that because they don't want to say what it is. It's a really crap league. There's a couple of good players and there's a lot of very crap average teams. And unfortunately, we're one of them at the minute. Are um, they average? Are they crap? Mate, they are average. They are really they... are. Is it just I, everybody? I think that's a fair point, level? you know. I think that's a fair point in some ways because you have a lot of players that come from lower leagues or even non-league in some cases. There's a sort of attitude as well from from some players from that don't really treat this league with the respect that it deserves sometimes as well. I think we we've seen that ourselves, aren't we, with some of the players that we've had here since we got relegated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it just says everything, though, doesn't it? We are here now thinking we haven't had a great season. You know, we're not in a, in a great position. But like you just pointed out, you know, a couple of wins and you're flying up this division. I mean, there's absolutely stop. There's nothing stopping anyone in this division now from probably you know, second bottom going on a bit of a run and gain promotion. That's well, how crazy this league is. We are five points off the playoffs and five points off the relegation zone after 23 games. There you but... Go. Halfway through the season, we're 17th in the league. If we win against Rotherham, we, the highest we can go is eighth. So halfway through the season, and you can go nine places up the league with one win. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at the fixtures ahead there, mate, obviously after Rotherham, we've got Burnley at home, Preston at home. Unfortunately, the home fixtures, which are not working well, but maybe we can turn that around. Uh, forget Hartlepool, and then we go to a difficult fixture away to Sheffield United. So I think we definitely need something out of Rotherham. Um, I think Burnley and Preston are going to be difficult games, and Sheffield probably a defeat. But Christ, who knows? I mean, knowing our luck, we'll go and lose at Rotherham, um, and then we'll beat Sheffield United. You, you know, it, it, it can see it coming. It'd be so well, typical, Stoke. We always do better against the, the better sides. Always. So maybe Burnley and Preston, maybe we'll be pro- no problem. And then. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's for what you say about this division. It's it's like every it's so even. The teams there's no difference between the, a lot of the teams. So it's like little things like 
it are you know have you got five injuries compared to the other team who've only got two injuries or you've just won back to back so your confidence levels are up and the other team are, you know they haven't won in three games so they're down and they're the little things that that win your games refereeing decisions can the reason refereeing decisions are so crucial in this division is because the teams are so equal it only one decision can literally settle a match so often yeah you know, one penalty yeah, yeah. can it's like it's it's not like in the premier league where yeah, Manchester City get awarded a dodgy penalty, but it's all right because they were already four 0 up at the time. Anyway, they, they, they would have won the game anyway. Do you know what I mean? It, it, the, the, that's very rare in this league. Um, one positive thing is, regard. I mean, it depends how you look at it when you say it's a rubbish league. The standard of play might not be fantastic or great, but you're in every game. You know, you're in a battle every game. There's no. I mean, we've just all predicted wins, but we all know in the back of our minds that we, we could quite easily lose that game as well. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and as a fan, that's really what you want. You want you want the optimism of thinking you can win every game, whether that's a ten percent chance or a ninety percent chance. But you also have the, the 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 in the back of your mind that that you could also lose. Whether again, and the flip, whether that's a an eighty percent chance you'll lose the game or or a ten percent chance, you'll know that there's that's. You've got to, the team have got to come on, they've got to turn up and they've got to win a game. And as a fan, I think that makes it more entertaining and makes it better as a supporter. And also, yeah. because the league's so tight, it means that come March, February, March time, your season's not dead, you've still got something to play for. You know, oh, there's 10 games left. If we can win six or seven of these, we'll still got a, we've still got a chance of the playoffs. Do you mean even at that point? We've been crap for six months, but I tell you what, if we turn it on now, there's still a chance we can make them playoffs. Yeah, no, fair point, yeah. mate, fair point. Um, cool, okay, well, we're all predicting automatic promotion. Fantastic. Don't <laughs> <laughs> um, <It'll> go crazy. <laughs> speaking um, of predictions, so a certain Mr. Graham McGarry uh, last week was starting to play mind games with us. He was predicted nothing but Stoke wins for the last 10 years. Um, and last week he decided to go for a, um, I think it was a a one nil Stoke loss. I think it was, if I remember rightly, or two. Oh no, two one Bristol, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, let's have a quick listen to see what his prediction is this week. Merry Christmas, you Stoke Potters predictors, and what a great start to the Christmas festive period that you had last week, of course, when your team came back from Ashton Gate with that welcome three points and quietly moving towards a mid-table position. Well, fingers crossed they can build on that when they play, take on Rotherham United this Boxing Day afternoon, of course. And then once again, there'll be another big crowd of travelling Potters fans who will be behind the side in South Yorkshire. They're up against a side that are out of form, you know. They haven't won in a long, long time. And Stoke have got to take full advantage of that. And they've got to push on from last weekend's three points on the travels. Alex Neal got what he wanted last week. Now he'll want more this week. Can they do it? I'm pretty sure they can. I think the fixture is coming at the right time. Rotherham United struggling now, just dropping down towards those lower reaches in the table. Stoke looking to move towards that mid-table position as they turn into the new year. So let's make it a Boxing Day bonanza for you Potters fans on your predictions. Let's make sure that you get your prediction right. And by that I mean you're picking a Stoke win. Rotherham nil, Stoke City won. Graham, thank you very much as always, mate. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
well, Graham playing mind games last week, went for a 2-1 Bristol win um, in the hope, obviously, that reverse psychology would work, and bloody hell, it worked. We won 2-1. So, uh, yeah, Graham, thanks for your prediction. I've unfortunately heard that you've gone for a 1-0 Stoke win, so brilliant. Thanks very much for making us lose. All on you. Um, Yeah, so thanks for that, and fun section now I love kind of going through normally. Now, there's no Super 6 this week. Uh, Dan will be happy because he hasn't actually done his Super 6 for about three years. Um, <laughs> and he's really, he's done it on purpose. So he's really looking forward to the forfeit, which is going to Vale Park. So, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, Dan, you've got a bit of catching up to do, but you haven't missed one. But before we get into that, uh, Gaffer. So, um, for anyone who doesn't know what Gaffer is, uh, it's the, uh, basically, it's like the, well, how would you describe it, Dan? It's the Championships version of uh, fancy football, fancy football, isn't it? So, um, yeah. So obviously, we've not had um, a a well, a great week on Gaffer. Unfortunately for me, I've kind of stayed in thirty second. Um, a bit of an overall slow week for people. I think, to be to be honest, I think there's a couple of people. I mean, Jack Cran, for example, is top of the league. I think I think it was a play called Victor for him. Uh, it was his vice captain, and he had triple points, and I think he must have scored goals. He got like forty two points from the one player. Um, so anyway, he sits top with uh, 1,767 points. Uh, Stoke Gaffer um, as well, or been up there for pretty much all season. He's um, second with uh, 1,719 points. And then it's a little jump to Pookie Blinders in third with 1,660. Dan, you're in 24th, mate, which considering you've not really touched it for a while, um, 24th place isn't actually very bad. No, I'm, I'm going to... I mean, if Stoke was 24th, that's alarming, but I'll take 24th in there. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, mate. So you know, it's not not doing bad. Um, I've, I've given up on, I'm not giving up, but I need to start using my bonus points and stuff. That's one thing I never do. So, um, John, are you in the uh, the Gaffer League? I can't remember. There's about yes. a thousand people in there. Uh, I, I am, but it's been, you know, uh, I'm a bit like Dan. I've I've forgotten about it myself. <laughs> <laughs> We all do the same thing, though, mate, don't we? We are, we go with all the best intentions at the start of the year, and then we very quickly forget about these things. Um, but yeah, luckily I've, I've picked a, a, a mediocre team anyway, so I can't really do much more. Um, <laughs> and obviously, one uh, bit of audio as well that we've had. So we're obviously Rotherham. Uh, we got off to the Rotherham camp. So where Matt has sent in some audio as well on what he thinks is going to happen for for this game. So we'll have a quick listen to what uh, Matt had to say. Uh, the Boxing Day game is seen by most Rotherham fans as quite a big game. Um, we've been on a poor two games after the international break have been not just bad def- score lines, they've been really, really bad defense uh, performances. Uh, three rows, 3 1 to Bristol City, 3 0 to West Brom. Could have been more, to be honest with you. We seem to have lost all spark that we had. Uh, when we beat you guys at your place, we, we stole those points. But since then, there's, there had been some really, really good performances. Uh, and the World, World Cup break seems, seems to have stopped any momentum that we possibly could possibly found. Um, defensively, a shambles against West Brom, an absolute shambles at times. We've been playing one man up top uh, in terms of Chio, with Chio Benny, who is a brilliant player, but he's not a target man. He's not very. He's not particularly strong. He's not. He's not even a natural striker. So that's going to be some potential changes uh, coming through. There is beginning to become a little bit of frustration from Rotherham fans. Uh, again, not just because we're losing, you know, we lost to West Brom. West, West Brom were in a great bit of form. You expect that. It's the manner of the performances um, and the way the team are playing. 
it's just not cohesive at the minute. Midfield seems fine. I think midfield is still our strong area. Dan Barlasa, um, you can ping the ball left, right and centre. Oli Rathbone's a bit of a workhorse alongside Jimmy Lindsay. So I don't think there's any issues in the centre of the pitch. That's that's somewhere we can try and control possession. Or we certainly are trying to do a bit more um, since Matt Tiller's come in and started doing that. Um, but it, we, we, I just couldn't tell you what defence is going to turn up. Uh, if it goes back to how it was pre-World Cup, you could see us keeping a clean sheet. Clean sheet. If the defence that turns up against West Brom turns up, you could, we could end up conceding three again. Um, we've got you guys then Huddersfield straight after. So our fans are looking at those two games and think we need to start picking up some points. Lovely. Thank you very much, Matt. So, yeah, clearly uh, not a very happy bunny. Uh, doesn't obviously know where, what team's going to turn up, whether it's going to win, lose, concede five, concede none. Uh, so uh, very much a wait and see. Um Dan, I think that pretty much does it for, for this week. Um, we obviously want to mention the red and white Christmas, considering the time of year. Yes, I mean, judging off what, what we just did for Matt there, I think Tyrese Campbell and Liam Delap in a bit of form will be licking their lips at the thought of uh, a bedraggled Rotherham defence not knowing what to do <laughs> and all over the place, weren't they? Um, but yes, the very important... Um, case of the red and white Christmas appeal. So, as you probably, hopefully, are all aware by now, we have teamed up with a number of other Stoke City um, podcasts, uh, media people, um, authors, uh, fanzine editors, um, artists, a lot to raise as much money as possible for three fantastic local charities um, to hopefully sort of invest something back into um, people in the city who really need it at this time. Um, so they are the Dougie Mac. Um, we've got the Macari Foundation run by, obviously, Exeter Major Lou Macari, which looks after a lot of homeless people in Stoke-on-Trent, helps them sort of, you know, gives them the, the, you know, the shelter, somewhere to come, somewhere to live, and provides them with sort of a fixed address and helps them get back on the feet. And, and you know, um, and you know, sort of, you know, helps try and sort of rebuild their lives again, off um, from being, like, say, on the streets. Um, and also uh, the other Stoke food banks, which is something that's going to be massively um, needed by a lot of people uh, over this winter and obviously going forward. Um, it's a shame, obviously, that in 2022 and soon to be 2023, that we do need um, charities for food banks and charities for. Um, for people who have been, you know, having to live on the streets, uh, homeless, um, should I say sorry, but they are there and they need support, and we're doing our best. Obviously, we're trying to raise five thousand pounds. We are well on the way to doing that. Um, there is money that is being raised that hasn't been pledged yet, and we hope. I think that should put us, you know, at, at least in the last say twenty percent of that target. Once that money goes in, um. But we want, you know, we just need help to just get over the line. £5,000 would be a fantastic achievement if we can do it. Um, like I say, I think we're up to, we're going to be up to around about four once all the money has been collected and is put through. Um, please, please just, you know, if you can donate anything, if you've got anything spare, then please, you know, do. If not, or if you if you, if you feel you can't, then that is, by all means, that's fine. We, we know that, you know, the times are hard. It's a difficult time of year anyway especially this year more than any 
but if you can just you know like it retweet it share it wherever you see it just get out to as many eyes as possible the more people who see it the more chance of, of donations coming in and, and you know the more money we raise the more people we can help that that's that's the main thing that pretty much does us for for this week i mean John, obviously, you know, thank you very much for for joining us, mate. It's been really good to to have you on. I'm sure you'll be back again um, at some point in the future, mate. But hopefully, you've enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, thank you. It's been great. Uh, I hope I've provided a good bit of uh, insight and input. Um, not as good as as Dan as always, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, he's, he's uh, Dan's had a lot of time to work at this, being the the second best podcast presenter. Um, so. <laughs> uh, Lovely, but no, thank you very much, mate. Dan, as always, um, I know we'll speak, mate, but um, I wish you both uh, a really good Christmas and um, fingers crossed Santa brings you everything that you wanted. Just three points on Boxing Day, that's all I've asked him for. (laughs) Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.